Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Thunderstruck this Saturday. Oh my God, come along. I'll fuck him up again. Uh, it was then followed by live reactions to AEW Forbidden Door, which, as we know, takes 87 hours. And yeah. then it was uh, BBC Radio Newcastle the following day. And, uh, mate, I did a show on Radio Newcastle where I, I, I almost asked for the, I almost offered to give the money back. <laughs> It was not, do you know what? To the point where I should probably give you about 87p of your license fee for it. Good, because, yeah. mate, yeah. It, was, it was a diabolical. I had no voice for four hours and I just muddled it. It was diabolical. I mean, I, I, I did the uh, Forbidden Door pay per view for the website, got to bed about half five. And just because of the way I wake up, woke up at half nine. And as I woke up, I was like, I wonder what that lunatic Tom Campbell's doing. I bet he's on a <laughs> unicycle somewhere. <laughs> no, I actually know. In my defense for that, I, I had a little sleep and then I went and did a work. Uh, my mistake yeah. was doing the work, yeah. um, as always. And then and then I always have this thing whenever I lose my voice that I'll like I'll wake up on the morning after and be like, oh, no. And it'd be nothing there. And I will fret every single time. Like, this is it. This is the one. This is the one where the vocal cords do not come back. I have done permanent damage. I am destitute. I can't do any of my work and I'll stress about it. And Alex will, will feel sympathy until I start just getting angry. It's like, stop. She said, you do this to yourself. I was like, oh, no, no. Please. <laughs> and then by Friday, I'm like, it's fine. It's all fine. 
<laughs> but, I had to you... take, but I had to take the rest of the week off from like extracurricular podcast bollocks, which which really disappointed me because I love hanging out with you. I love hanging out with Sam Driver. I love hanging out with Matthew. But I had to call them all and just go, I've just got to, I've got to rest it this week. I've, I've fucked it. Yeah. Did you get on the cat piss or? Do you know what? I didn't get the cat piss because I left. I, I should have done it really, shouldn't I? Because I left it. It's in the cupboard upstairs. Yeah, I should have actually had a bit of the cat piss. Mm. I don't know why I didn't. I went. So when we say cat piss, let <laughs> me just explain for the new people. <laughs> uh, it's it's a vial, and believe me, it is vile. Full uh, of cat urine. Full yeah. of what? It looks like it. It smells like it. It is what I assume tastes like it. Pablo, can we find out? Uh, Sanderson's throat specific is what it's called. <laughs> It just sounds like the fakest product. It doesn't sound real. I always think it sounds like something from like the Victorian era, like yeah. do Sanderson's throat specific for throat related mid discombobulation. <laughs> Come to <laughs> us today. Get yourself two vials now and God save the king. That's what it sounds like to me. And then I had a little bit. I went, ah, oh, it's disgusting. I always remember when about three months ago, Adam Pacitti came upstairs and he had a similar thing. He lost his voice. And I said, try a bit of that. And he, he did. And he nearly vomited. <laughs> Said, we'll get why have you got this in our office it's for me but that's so that was my week so it was just vocal rest boring ass vocal rest all week mm. couldn't couldn't annoy anybody livid bless matthew greg who rang me to say i want to just see how you're doing Paul, because you couldn't make it today how you doing, Paul? <laughs> i was like mate i'm fine oh good well you're just your sound shit i said yeah yeah, I just, I just, yeah uh you what you've been up to today i said i'll be honest mate i love hearing from you but i'm not meant to be talking all oh, right yeah sorry take take special special pal take it easy what a human. Anyway, enough about me. How are you, Jack Atkins of Liverpool? I, I'm all right. Thank you, Tom Campbell of the Midlands via Newcastle via the Midlands. Um, yeah, well, we, we had to postpone last week and the podcast I do with Ross on a Wednesday had to move to Tuesday because he was obviously in London for Money in the Bank. So it gave me, for the first time in a while, a full day to concentrate on my extra scripty secret bollocks so i was just going yes just battered through it i had a very productive day apart from that same old here i actually i watched money in the bank yeah it was it nice first of all wasn't it nice that it was on a, at a convenient time it was great um my mates timo and sam they live around the corner they had me over for eurovision so i was like come round for money in the bank we'll order korean food and eat too much and all feel very ill um <laughs> It was like a lovely time. It was great. We didn't watch the main event because, you know, we're all old now. So we're like, oh, even though it's on at a nice time, I'm quite sleepy. <laughs> so <laughs> so they went home and I went to bed. Um... <laughs> did you, did, how long, but the, it was, a, it was still a late finish though, to be fair. Mm. It, it still sort of trundled on, trundled on right until like, because I think I was still watching the press conference, seeing if I, trying to see Ross and Fraser at yeah. about half 11, quarter to 12. Oh, so well, a, I mean. A long night. You know, say your say your prayers for me because it's it's myself and Jack King going down for all in. So after forty hours of all in, we're gonna have to sit there watching Tony Khan go berserk for four hours. Oh, great! I have to ask, and we can take this off the podcast if need mm. be, because I was chatting to Aidan Gibbons, the cultholic.com tribal editor in chief, before uh, I popped here to chat to you. Will this be when you go down in August? Is this going to be your on-camera debut? Officially, yes. Because I've I've popped up here and there in other little bits, but this is my first proper. I uh, I'm Clive Fuck. We've just been demonetized on YouTube. I'm <laughs> here with Brody King. How you doing? So yeah, you so you'll be potentially so seemingly doing the news videos with with Jack the Jobber. So I've been told, yeah. Because originally, um, 
I was just going to go as a fan. Myself and Aiden had an agreement in place for about two years. And I said, look, we're both a- we both like AEW, but I was just like, I, I only have time to really watch that and impact. I've not caught up with WWE for years. So I was like, so if and when AEW comes to the UK, am I all right to go to that if you cover it for the website? And if there's a big WWE event, you go to that and I'll cover it for the website. So at the beginning of the year, he went, cool, you can do whatever the AEW show is. I'll do Money in the Bank. We shook on it. He didn't get tickets to Money in the Bank. And then AEW went, we're doing Wembley Stadium. And Aiden just went, oh, for fuck's sake. Hoisting <laughs> um, by his own petard. So I was just going to go as a fan. And um, I just, I'd let it known to Aiden and anyone who'd, who'd speak. And I even messaged you saying, look, I'm going to be going as a fan, but if you can get me a press pass, I'll go in for the I'll go in for the press conference, you know, and you know, try not to get beaten up by CM Punk. And then um it was like two days after I moved, just got a message saying, Don't buy tickets, we're sending you. It's like, oh wonderful, wonderful. Oh wow. So I don't know, I don't know what the plan is. Um I know that Pichiti's ordered my train tickets to and from Newcastle. So I've got to get, <laughs> I've got to, get to Newcastle. <laughs> trying to sort a plan with him to maybe come up a few days in advance and get some. Come stay with done. us. We'll get something done. Come stay with us, go spare room, come stay with us. You and Pablo at three in the morning waking yeah. me up being like, do you want a slice of Battenberg? It's, like, it's, it's, it's our Battenberg time, come on. Why? Like, I, no, I'd, be, I'd be the piece of shit that I'd be sat in the living room at 3.30 in the morning and you'd walk in to get a glass of water and I'd go, oh, good afternoon. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I've got to say, I am buzzing if you end up, because uh, full disclosure, Full disclosure, in my end of year meeting in December, I don't know whether I told you this, in my end of year meeting, I did say to Adam Pachuti, I said, can we not get, can I, can we try Jack Atkins on camera? Because I'd like to, I'd think he'd be fun. Oh God. So I, so I, I sang your <laughs> praises and, and, and I pushed for, not that, not that my, my opinion means anything, but I certainly did vouch for you. Yeah, uh, well, I, I was just sad I'm not being the first one to do it with you. Maybe we do a practice one before you go. Who are we going to interview? I don't know. <laughs> Ross. <laughs> Just Ross being like, oh, bloody hell. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Uh, if, well, I mean, if, if everything goes tits up at all in, like I can just pretend I'm Eddie Kingston's out of work, <laughs> younger brother. Just like... <laughs> we'll, just get, uh, we'll just get everybody to squint and we can pretend you're Eddie Kingston. Yeah. So it's, it's... Or Arn Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what they could do with recasting Arn Anderson? What, so I could be the new Arn Anderson? <laughs> I mean, wrestling companies aren't, you know, they're not, it's not out of the realms of possibility that they recast people, which brings us kicking and screaming. Oh, crap. Yeah, we've got a podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) We should, yeah, we should probably do that. Mm. I often like to know the, 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 the number of people that skip the, the, the preamble compared to those who don't. Uh, and just say, either way, fuck off, we're doing a preamble. Um, <laughs> life's about choices. You choose to listen. Yeah. Uh, okay. So very shortly, if this is your first time listening, fucking welcome in. Um, <laughs> I always apologize. Um, we're always told to make content welcoming for all new listeners. And I realize I break all my major broadcasting code rules in every single classic review I do. I feel yeah. like it's a vent. I feel like it's a, it's, it's a, it's a salve for me. <laughs> <laughs> following guidelines and parameters and perimeters for, for years of my wrestling and radio career. And I just go, oh, fuck, what are we doing? All right, fine. We'll edit that out now. 
Uh, right, okay. So what's going to happen is, if you are new here, uh, very shortly, uh, Jackie Orlando, uh, if you're watching Hello. on the Patreon to my left, and everybody's left, uh, is going to go through the, uh, the the news in the wrestling world via Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer for a week commencing September 16th, 1996. Uh, and I will, after that, go through this episode of Monday Night Raw, beat by beat, and we'll talk about it and probably complain about it. But before we do that, let's take a quick look at what's happening in the boring real world uh, in September 16th, 1996. Number one song in the UK is still Wanna Be by the Spice Girls. Number banger. one song in America is a banger. Uh, yeah. And still, still number one in America is Macarena by Los Del Rios. <laughs> not, no, not connected to Papachulo in any way. <laughs> Independence Day is number one still in the UK and the movie world. I was and... talking, oh, I was going to say, and the day we're recording, it is <gasps> Independence, Independence Day. Independence Day, well done, America. You turned your back on us, you bastards. Yeah. We, we, we let you, if you love something, let them go. That's what we tell ourselves. And then they'll the be thing, back. The thing I never understood about Independence Day, the international marketing, is that the poster didn't say Independence Day. It said ID4. And people outside of America were just like, number four, what? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, oh, oh, right, okay, yeah. Confusing well, everybody who celebrates the fifth of fast every exactly. year. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, number one US movie is Maximum Risk. I recognize the name. Uh, it's an American action thriller by Hong Kong director Ringo Lam. It stars John Claude Van Damme. And uh, and Natasha Henstridge in Rotten Tomatoes say it got 32% out uh, of 37 people surveyed. Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave it a B minus. Leonard Cloudy of Variety wrote, it's a visceral delight that refuses to be deterred by niceties of plot or character consistency and prefers to sweat to emotion. So, it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme flick. I was going to say 96 Van Damme, we're coming to the end of his bankability as a box office star i think i think we'll have like obviously tying it back into wrestling we'll have universal soldier 2 the return in a couple of years but starring bill goldberg bill goldberg himself but late 80s early 90s was van damme's playground and then eh, peters off a bit uh, on this day in the world of television courtroom reality show judge judy premieres in america what do you have so the story of this is uh the guy who hosted people's court joseph wapner uh was let go from the show in 1993 judge judith Scheindlin, who was a legit judge called at the program's producers and offered to do the show in his place the receptionist who answered the phone responded are you crazy lady <laughs> and hung up on her now obviously it ends up actually happening now, yeah. uh, Shailen had a bit of a reputation as one of the toughest family court judges in the country. Uh, and a lot of people say that uh, the big part of the reason she got this show uh, was a 60 minute special, uh, which brought a national recognition uh, due to the way in which she very aggressively handled a particular case. And this led to eventually the sides coming together and the birth of Judge Judy. Uh, Shailen accepted the offer, uh, writing, uh, now, I believe, here we go. Her autobiography goes into greater detail on this. Um, and at the same, so at the same, the, the book came out earlier in the, hang on, did it come out earlier in the year? No, it didn't. 
I'm going to read from the Wikipedia because I've confused myself. <laughs> Shindlin accepted the offer, writing, Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Published on February 7th, 1996. Its publisher, HarperCollins, expressed disapproval of her book title, claiming no one would promote it under that name. Shindlin stood her ground on the use of the title and ended up selling 216,000 copies. Uh, so, yeah, she, at the same year, she wrote a book and she started Judge Judy. I've really mangled that. If you've if you got anything yeah. out of that, I apologise. Um, <laughs> okay. On this particular week as well, the day after this episode of Monday Night Raw ends, the trial of O.J. Simpson begins. The civil oh. trial of O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Bloody hell. So we've had that. Obviously, there's been lots said about him already, mm. but the civil trial begins the day after Monday Night Raw. Uh, 20th of September, The Independent reports that Channel 5 the new fifth terrestrial TV channel will employ another 1,500 people to undertake the retuning operation, which means 8,500 people will be retuning 11.4 million televisions and video recorders before next year when the channel is set to start. They they massively underestimated the, the, the job this was. So in case you aren't familiar with what, what this is all about, so here in the UK, they launched a brand new terrestrial TV channel uh, and which meant that, you know, because it's not a case of nowadays, if you start a TV channel, you just, I don't know, you you tell Pluto on the old television and they just stick it on the end of theirs. You have to physically retune a lot of recorders and TV stations so they can get it. And they had to hire people to go around the country and retune all the televisions so they could watch Channel 5. And they massively underestimated how many people they're going to need for this. And this is costing Channel 5 a fortune. Thing mm. hasn't even aired yet and it's already putting them in the tank. Like I, ours wasn't properly tuned in. Ours was fuzzy for years, and I'd completely forgotten about that until you just mentioned it. I was like, "Oh Christ, ah, yeah," because I knew no one who bothered getting it like properly done, unless they had Sky or um, satellite or cable or anything like that. So everyone was just like, "Ah, oh, what's what's on Channel Five there?" It's like Fort Boyard. We'll watch a bit of Fort Boyard. Uh, bit of Blue after ten. Yeah. <laughs> about it really it's about all that that's you've pretty much now what they did to be fair yeah 21st of september zoe ball and jamie theakston present the first ever edition of live and kicking wow 96 yeah it begins here i had a bit of a thing for zoe ball when i was growing up yeah yeah she was one of me she was her and michaela strachan for me is is that why now you are dressed like Fat Boy Slim? Yes, <laughs> and and it's and it's in the hope that she'll go. Oh, he's nice. <laughs> she does BBC Radio Two now, and it's just I like listen to her and go. Ah, oh, I remember when I fancied you. That's a lovely. No, time. I, I like Zoe Ball. I she's like Zoe. all right, and she's yeah. all right. Anyway, that's the boring as fuck real world news. How about oh. what's going on in the actual wrestling news? Has your has your letterbox flapped this afternoon, Jackie Orlando? Yeah, and the. Observer floated down like, you know, Mutley after he's gotten a bit of beef jerky or a medal, depending on the program. So this is the Wrestling Observer <laughs> newsletter dated September 23rd, 1996. Now, I'd class myself as a Dave Meltzer apologist. I'm not one of those guys who thinks he's gospel. Dave and I just have, I have a, a similar taste in wrestling to him. So if he says something is a good match. I'll, I'm like, well, we have similar taste. I'll probably enjoy it. Blah, 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 blah. He's just a fella at the end of the day. But he starts this newsletter with, in hindsight, an absolute wad of shite. <laughs> 
because he's moaning, he's not been liking recently the fact that the WWF and WCW are trying to hoodwink the audience and the you know trying to swerve people and pull one over and blah blah blah. So he's moaning about nonsense WCW booking. And the week before this, it's only aired once. Fake Sting has turned up in WCW, and he said, "Ah, oh, it's crap. This didn't do any ratings. What a f- oh, rubbish this." And in hindsight, you're like, Dave, you fucking moron. This is going to be one of the best storylines of all time and one of the biggest angles in the hottest period in wrestling history. Hold your horses. So I just read that and I was like, you're an idiot. Just just, just, just let it, let it pan it's out a bit. It's one of them where sometimes we are mistaken for just sort of getting wrapped up in the moment when it comes hmm. to stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm one for it as well. I but I like I like to try and let things breathe. But and also, I think that on on a very base level, I don't think you would have got as much grief as you do in the day of social media. But you can't becry one company doing a fake character angle and then let another company slide. Mm. Yeah, because it'll be seen in a certain way. Like I know that when we call out something WWE does, there'll be people that go, "Oh, well, AEW did that, and you said it was fine." Yeah. No, we just didn't reference it in that moment. But yeah, it's it's like the other day because we've you know in the past week we've had AW Fight Forever come out, and I gave my little thoughts on Twitter before Twitter died. Um, and a caveat Back to life it. now, by the way, it's fine. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's all right now. Oh, all, all my group, <laughs> all my group chats have left it now. So just like, <laughs> all migrated, we've all flown south. I did, I did come very close just to going right. Bye. You can find me on I don't know MySpace. Um, yeah. I'd thought about it. I thought I'll just, I'll just be, I'll be quiet. I'll just wait and see what happens. See, I, think I, I think it's fine now. I said bye, and actually, in my like my my bye tweet, I've still got my account and I still flick for it, but I'm just like not using it now. Mm. But in my bye tweet, I actually did plug this podcast. So you did thank you for that. I did, I did some work. God's work. You're doing God's so, work is what you're doing. Do you know why Twitter went shit? Do you know the story? Because of Google, wasn't it? And Elon Musk trying to avoid paying a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's the crack. So like he made out that, oh, we're trying to avoid data scraping. No, what happened is you didn't want to pay Google Cloud a billion dollars for all the hosting for the last couple of years. So you'd migrate in Twitter over, but in doing so, you fuck up some of the code. So every time, every embedded tweet uh, just goes haywire. If the tweet was embedded into a website, it would try and load the tweet and fail, but then immediately try and reload it again and again and again and again. And it just caused Twitter to go to meltdown because it was loading like a billion tweets a minute. Oh. So that's what happened. But Elon spun it as, hey, look, I'm doing it for your benefit. We all need a break from Twitter. This is something new we're trying to get around data scraping. It's like, it's all hilarious bullshit. You, just, you don't want to pay Google a billion dollars. I mean, he has these... He's- I was going to say he spun it well, but it just ended up with everyone calling him a moron and loads of people leaving the platform. So, but as I was saying, yeah, I, I I gave my thoughts on Fight Forever and caveated it with the fact that look, I'm an AW fan, but I am someone who still plays the N64 games. I don't like the 2K games. If you like the 2K games, you might not like this. If you like the N64 games, you might. But like we were saying, it's different strokes for different folks. But you got to be careful sometimes, haven't you? Hmm. Which is ridiculous, but. People get very angry. Yeah. But talking about angry people, WWF news. JJ Dillon, who was one of the key talent liaisons and bookers in the World Wrestling Federation, resigned on Thursday afternoon. The news came as a shock apparently to Vince McMahon, although there had been rumours of it for several weeks since Dillon had gone to Orlando at the same time WCW was doing Disney tapings. Um, So JJ Dillon, legendary mouthpiece for the Four Horsemen, even though all the Four Horsemen themselves are 
good promo guys. Um, he'd have on-screen roles in WCW. I'm sure he was was he he become. That's where it goes. He, he comes back to WCW. Spoiler alert! He becomes like the on-screen authority figure, doesn't he? For a bit, mm. he becomes like a matchmaker. So he was he's been in WWF for the past couple of years. He left WCW shortly shortly after. Ted Turner took over. He was frustrated at the time. Uh, he didn't like the fact they'd gone corporate and that they were being run by TV guys. And WWF apparently gave him 185 grand a year working with Pat Patterson. And he was like, "Yeah, go for it." Um, but as WWF, you know, business went down, they were like, "Well, pal, we're gonna have to cut your salary." And he was like, "Um." My old jobs being run by um, a lot of very um, yeah, I'm I'm going there. See you later. <laughs> bye. So bye. What, but as Meltzer spun it, he says feelers have been sent, but whether he'd made a deal with WCW beforehand isn't known. He'd be valuable to that company in that he possesses a great deal of knowledge of the WWF organization, and he was privy to where all the bodies are buried, so to speak. And he said, not to mention the obvious storyline role where he could, you know take over the four horsemen again but we we always talk about at this time it's like ah oh, shots fired there's luger going this way here's ron simmons going that way blah 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 blah. but here's someone behind the scenes in the weeds with pat patterson and vince McMahon going yeah i've do you want to know all this stuff that's going on so yeah that's it, always dangerous when you let someone you know loose over that side and as you say knows where the bodies are buried yeah so it, what's the general consensus because because you know i know you're you're very much a wcw historian these days um, what, I try. Is, try. <laughs> what is the general like how does history remember JJ Dillon in a backstage capacity I'm not too sure like it, it I've been doing some WCW digging recently and it it seems that no I don't know it's just mm. it's just one of them because obviously at, at this point in time 95 going to 96 you had nick bockwinkle there didn't you for a while as like an on-screen guy but i'm not sure if he was working backstage the history of wcw is obviously it was like a carousel of who was booking you had what bill watts you had uh kevin sullivan at times flair dusty bischoff himself it just keeps going round and round and round so he probably turned up gave us two cents probably implemented some bits probably didn't do the others is a handshake and a goal watch. See you later. Right, yeah, just sort of yeah. right place, right time, but you know, still a useful guy to have around. Yeah, of course. Not to, not but, uh, to do him any disservice. Talking of useful people to have around, another front office change in the WWF, and this is a good segue. Uh, a good segue. The, Jake Roberts is now on the WWF booking committee, apparently, and he'd Ooh. been pushing it for several months. Uh, so the way the structure is believed to be set up in September '96 is Jake Roberts and Jim Cornette are the assistants to Bruce Pritchard, who writes the television shows. Imagine being Jake Roberts and Jim Cornette and having to work for Bruce Pritchard. The pair of them are just like, <laughs> fuck off, Bruce. <laughs> would, that be, would that be like um, Jean-Christophe Novelli and Gordon Ramsay being hired to work for Greg's? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and that's not a slight on Greg's big fan yeah. of your work. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, me being... Uh, the editor-in-chief for The Guardian. And so I'm being like, I've brought this, and I'm just like... Oh, no, that's very different. I, I think that would be fucking <laughs> hilarious. Making the edit editor-in-chief of The Guardian. Readership goes down, but coverage of karate goes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what, it's what America wants. But, yeah, so the, the backstage um, set up now. Vince McMahon's still at the top. Uh, Pritchard, Jim Cornette, Jim Ross, Jerry Briscoe have hands in coming up with ideas. 
Uh, McMahon's still pulling all the strings, but apparently Jake Roberts is joining in now as well. Good mind for it. I love Jake Roberts. He's mm. one of my favorites. Um, loved him as a kid just because I thought he was cool. He's got my favorite music. He's just just this angry looking, really long fellow with a snake. And then as you get older and you start appreciating just the nuances of his character, his promo style, his promo content, his delivery, he's incredible. I love Jake Roberts. He's fantastic. He loves you um, too. Oh, good. Thanks, Jake. He looks a bit like my dad, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> he looks like my uncle Alan. Yeah, I jet my, my we always whenever Jake Roberts turned up, we always go, "Oh, there's Uncle Alan." <laughs> I'm just so like, maybe your dad and my uncle Alan are the same person. If they are, then there's a lot of questions that I need answering I by the time I can talk to you. <laughs> uh, we do go to a, a brief bit of sad news. So on September the 11th, 1996, in St. Louis, Juanita Wright formerly known as Sweet Sapphire, passed away at age 61 from a heart attack. Um, Obviously, Sweet Sapphire was on my manager's list. I can't remember whereabouts she was in there, but... Uh, Two, I think. She was number two, yeah, yeah. Who was number one? Oh, (laughs) Muffy. It was Muffy. (laughs) Muffy was like 209 or something, daft like that. But Sapphire, it was... A weird one, but very popular at the time with Dusty. They were over. Wasn't Sapphire like we haven't touched on Sapphire's time in WF because it's outside of our timeline, basically. But mm. wasn't Sapphire? Didn't Sapphire work in the office and just got I'm, moved to the forefront, or am, am I misremembering? I think you're misremembering. I think she was a referee on the territories, but she was uh, apparently a legitimate like Dusty Rhodes super fan. So when there was an opportunity, I think I'm not too sure if she'd done some reffing for WWF. She may have been working with them in some capacity, but basically when she found out like she could be Dusty Rhodes' manager, she was like, "It's got to be me! It's got to be me! It's got to be me! It's got to be me! I love Dusty. Put me with Dusty. Put me with Dusty, please." And they were just like, "Yeah, go for it." Oh, and she just running around hitting people with her bum. That was about it, really. Uh, prior to signing, oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, so you are right. She. Mm. Um... She wasn't behind the scenes. Uh, Juanita Wright, born October 24th, became a huge wrestling fan as a child and was driving wrestlers to the arenas. She earned oh. a wrestling referee's license, yeah. became the first woman in Missouri to do so. She entered the ring as a wrestler at the age of 42. L.A. Knight be damned. Uh, she became the first person in the state to participate in a men's battle royal. Here's the true fucking trailblazer in Sapphire. Uh, she and another opponent were declared the winners after the last two left in the ring out of 15 other wrestlers. She appeared under the name Princess Dark Cloud and once wrestled a bear. Amazing. Sapphire wrestled a bear. She, When she was working for a... She was working as a saleswoman for a clothing company in St. Louis when the World Wrestling Federation gave her the call. And off to the races she goes with Dusty Rhodes with Sweet Sapphire. <laughs> yeah so that, yeah. that heel turn when Ted DiBiase bought her out apparently I, I remember hearing on OSW that apparently backstage she was just like what do you mean I'm not with Dusty anymore and they're like we're putting you with Ted and she was like okay you could tell her heart wasn't in it yeah because she was just like I like being with Dusty we got to dance to the American Dream music and you know it's Dusty fucking Rhodes um, unless but... they were going to do Dusty versus Sapphire Wrestlemania main event I don't know what the point was <laughs> I was going to say that would have been good. No, it wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, rest in peace, Juanita Wright this week. Yeah. 
over in Japan, there was an article in, I've written here Nippon Sports, but it's probably Nippon Sports and I've written it incorrectly. But uh, this article in Japan was saying Kurt Angle has signed with WWF. Oh. But Meltzer's saying he was told an offer was made to Angle, but thus far he hasn't accepted it. Hmm. wonder what he's thinking. Don't Is I... this before he goes to visit our friends in Philadelphia? Yes, it is, because I am looking forward to the Observer when that happens, because it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> and let's not beat around the bush. As as a piece of wrestling history, as a piece of controversy, as a piece of news, it's just, if you don't know what we're on about, you'll find out soon. If you do know what, you're, what we're on about, you know exactly what we mean. Mm-hmm. So, so talking of our friends in ECW. Uh, Chris Candido will apparently be back as a heel with a new gimmick, probably around December in the WWF. So, well, ironically, will the gimmick be no gimmicks needed? Well, let's hope so. Top mm. rope powerbomb and every bastard. That's the one. Blonde, uh, blonde bombshell. Yeah, call it. what a scary move. Scary Terrifying move. move. And an interesting guy to do it. Yeah, because it's weird because like Chris Candido will end up you know, towards the end of WCW's run, he'll be in the cruiserweight division, only because of the fact that he's not six foot tall, but he's like six foot wide. The man was an <laughs> he was huge. Massive. He's built like, built like Mr. Strong from the Mr. Man. He really was. He was a little red square wearing these little brown <laughs> shoes and a hat and just doing top rope super power bombs to people. <laughs> now, it'll be, it'll be nice to see him doing more stuff like that again. I feel like we've... Um... Mm. I feel like they, they turned the body on his baby face and just we lost some of the energy, lost some of the the, the action and the passion there. And it's it's a shame. Yeah, because the body Donner's gimmick wasn't great for the new gen. And as the new gen, now we're in this, I'm still calling it the attitude here as far as I'm concerned, but we're in the primordial stages for me. But mm. it just doesn't work and especially his faces which is a shame because the team of candido and tom pritchard it's it's a sound team but it's just like oh who are these like are the geeks and leotards with peroxide hair so how would you uh how would you work them how would you change them and make them more primordial attitude friendly i don't know like the the way my head is for wrestling i'm just thinking oh let's do like Team Angle, but you've got no care Angle. Instead, you've got Pug Porto, Chris Candido, and Pritchard. And just have them... Fuck yeah! Just the free bird rule between those three and just having them just being just little horrible meatheads. That's a great idea. Mm. I'd love that. Yeah. But Tom Pritchard, obviously being the older boy, like gravitating towards more managerial type role. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But talking, talking of old boys, over in WCW... Gene Oakland's contract expired midweek, and he said to no longer be with the company. He said, he it said his, I imagine he said it on his hotline. <laughs> Call me for all the news. Um, he said goodbye to a lot of people early in the week, and on Thursday morning, all WCW employees got a memo saying that Mean Gene was no longer with the company. He did appear on the pay-per-view show. Um, I didn't write down what pay-per-view it was. You'll be able to probably fall brawl at this time of year. I think, it'll be, I think it'll be fall brawl yeah. at this point, yeah. So, we would have gone through Hogwild. It'd probably be Fall Brawl. Fall Brawl. Yeah. Either that or World War, are they doing World War Three? Nah, they are, know. but they normally do that around October. I oh, know that'd be Halloween Havoc, right? Oh. Oh. 
It'll be four brawl. It'll be four brawl. Would November be World War Three then? Maybe. And then December is Starcade. Yeah. Something like that. Either yeah. way. But look, anyway, we, we kind of know that we kind of know it doesn't stick. You know, anybody watches, you know, this is the, the great thing about it. we know it doesn't stick. But I didn't know that he how 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 much they bought on the fact that he was gone. Yeah. Well, he was saying that he was on the pay-per-view show doing a pre-taped countdown show in a package. It wasn't mentioned in the rest of the show. Mike Tanay handled the interviews and apparently has Oakland spot brackets, but working for one hell of a lot less money. <laughs> uh, so between Oakland's base contract and his cut of the 900 line, it was believed he was earning in the neighborhood of $420,000 per year. Jesus Christ! To and stand was... on the apron and undermine the wrestlers. And he was looking for a raise. But... Hats off to your Mean Gene, making that much money by pushing yeah. the 900 line. All power to you. And Make I love Mean Gene. So, Make yeah. the cheddar, absolutely. So at this time, as Dave's put, he puts, depending upon which story one chooses to believe, Mean Gene, either a few weeks ago or over the past few days, spoke with Vince McMahon about coming back, but not a lot of interest was shown. He'd been playing the going to Titan card in negotiations with WCW, but seeing as that's now been played, he's expected to come back to the negotiating table with WCW there's a good chance he'll end up returning. Um, There's at least some thought within the company that this entire scenario is a work designed to work those within the company and wind up with Oakland being the announcer for the NWO. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) We talk about, in hindsight, when you look at the NWO, the fact that Hall, Nash, (laughs) Waltman, legitimately cool. Hogan, while we love Hollywood Hogan, he doesn't really fit with the others, even though it obviously works because it's brilliant. When you look at it and just kind of like separate the art from the artist, you're like, Hogan doesn't really fit in with those. But imagine Mean Gene in the NWO. <laughs> that would just... No. I'm just picturing Mean Gene wearing an NWO t-shirt over his suit jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Still with a bow tie. <laughs> No. We're for life. I am a rebel now. Like I like imagine walking through the streets just like kicking a dog. Hey, see that dog that way. Bobby Heenan, me. like <laughs> me being a bad guy now. <laughs> Talking of the NWO though, a real story. A woman called the WCW officers last week complaining because her five-year-old had spray painted NWO <laughs> on her one-year-old. <laughs> Poor little bastard. There's a little one-year-old baby with NWO spray painted on it, and they're gonna have to scrub the absolute bejesus of it. I mean, it's gonna be a great main event for Starcade, those two. <laughs> Building for the future right there. I think our chances are that baby will have joined the NWO by the time you read this. Probably, yeah. Probably. I love that. And, and I like how I I for me, I always think it's the parents going, I'm complaining to WCW because my child picked up a spray can and spray painted my other child. I mean, maybe that's that's something that you should look into as a parent. I'm just, I mean, I managed to watch, I mean, I mean, I can't speak actually, because I was about to say, oh, I'm no, I'm, that never affected me as a kid, but I seemed to be pretty sure that, you know, around about, you know, watching wrestling in the, in, when I was six or seven years old, uh, would have at least, taken a pile driver from my older brother and then went a little bit older i'm pretty sure i remember ddt him my little brother's face into the concrete at some point so i can't oh. really talk can i 
A hundred percent. I mean, uh, there's a 10 year gap between me and my brother. So when I was like five and he was 15, him and his mates just used to suplex me. They would give me spine busters. So then when my nieces and nephews were little, oh, I was like, who wants an awesome bomb? They were getting awesome bombed into the couch. <laughs> just... <laughs> It's like someone's getting choke slammed. Oh yeah, brilliant. I like I like how trendy you are as an uncle. That they're not giving them power bombs. No, they're getting awesome bombs. Only because like obviously Mike Awesome was not the safest wrestler. But me with my niece and nephews is like I can either fold them up with a power bomb or just razor's edge them so they land flat. So it was they liked it. They enjoyed it. Uncle Jack, give us a razor's edge. <laughs> it's like sure thing do you want to go through the table or onto the concrete um, <laughs> so we've still got still got a few more here it's all like little bitty bits now so paul white on wcw apparently they destroyed a cadillac in an angle that aired on saturday yes. they got a rented cadillac that was supposed to be lex luger's car and the nwo destroyed it but for some reason uh the giant Paul White had to buy it. They had an agreement with the rental place how much damage would be done and basically totally exceeded it in the heat of battle and White became the scapegoat. <laughs> Just like Hogan holding off being like, um, Paul, Paul, Paul did it. Paul did that, brother. Yeah. Should we go, should we go cash some more <laughs> 200 grand checks? Yeah, see you later, Paul. Pick up the tab for that, Paul. Go on, Paul. No, good lad, I like Paul. to think that Paul wanted to get his money's worth, drove it for a little bit. <laughs> broken down Cadillac. Yeah, he drive it a bit. And then if I was him, I'd just be like, oh, if I'm paying for it anyway, I'd just be like, you know, like throwing golf clubs at it and stuff and be like, oh, has anyone got a bowling ball there? Fuck it. You just smash it for it. And then, and then maybe gift it to the mini golf course as part of the, part of the course. Oh, imagine it. But right, next, I should have read ahead on my notes. So we've got some confirmation of how the WCW pay-per-views are going to go. Oh, lovely. After Halloween Havoc in October, the WCW world title, according to Dave, will be declared vacant with the belt going to the winner of World War World War III. III. Yeah, Yeah. I got it right. Yeah. Yeah. So the working plan, subject to change, is to declare the world title vacant early November and make the Battle Royal an annual event. Um, He's just put, we can only hope for good matches on the undercard. The general feeling is that the reason they are going to vacate the world title is to get the belt off Hogan without having him to get to do the fucking job, of course. Lose a fucking match, mate. It's not real. I know. It's not real. Lose a match. I mean, so the the current What's wrong with people? Lose a match. None of this shit is real. I don't know what it is about having the world title that turns most wrestlers into arseholes. It's it's, it's fucking Gollum getting the ring, isn't it? It's just weird. Because, I mean, like... Who are some of the worst for you? Hogan, obviously. Brett, Sean, Austin, and Cena, I think. The, like the five that come to mind for me, because we know Cena would just be like, nah, I'm not getting beaten up by seven men. Sean's like, I'm not dropping it to Hart. He's a dickhead. And Hart's like, I'm not dropping it to Sean. He can't fight. And Austin's like, ah, nah, everyone who's not me is a dickhead. And then Hogan's like, everyone who's not me is a dickhead. So... I remember yeah. there was a, a mate of mine, many, and, and, and I love him. I don't want to say his name, but it was for a wrestling promotion many, many years ago. And um, he was the champion there, and he was losing the belt that night. Uh, the guy who was winning the belt had to leave a little earlier. So they said, tell you what, let's do photos with the belt now before the show starts. So they did, and he was really weird about it. He, I remember him saying, I might as well just go home now. Just give, give him the belt and leave. <laughs> Come on, mate. It's it's not real. <laughs> it just means he can get his bus. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's not real. It's fine. 
things but like, it, it does do weird things to people. It does. It really does. It's I, I can understand it in in the terms of it being like a physical, like way of showing how far you've come in your an career. acknowledgement of your accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. Like it, say, like this is pe- peeling the curtain back a bit. So a lot of people in Cultaholic have official titles, and I don't. And for a while, I was like, kind of want a title in the company. So I get, I made myself both the union leader and the commissioner for food and beverage, just because <laughs> I was just like I I need a title. You got like heads of video, heads of editing. You got editor in chief, and I, if you haven't got a title, you're probably head of audio content. I'm sure. I'm just thinking I don't have a title. Mm. But you'd be head of audio content. I'd like to. Th- I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Head of head of audio content. So I I can understand that kind of being like, well, I, I want to fucking I want to. I want a bit after my name. Go for it. So we got ahead in food and beverage. Uh, well, until I left the office because no one was listening to my food and beverage claim. <laughs> you can't be a remote head of food and beverage because you can't really control what we're eating from a distance. As 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 the straight edge sweet toothed one in the office when we were getting our fridge restocked, I had like I was just like, right, you need a full fat Coke, you need uh, a sugar free Coke, you need two different types of fruity drink, you need. Uh, an energy drink and some kind of sparkling water, as Matthew would say. They're your six basics. And every time it'd be like, here's Coke Zero, here's Pepsi Max, here's Pepsi Max with Black Corridor, here's Pepsi Max with Cherry, here's Iron Brew for Fraser, but it's Iron Brew Sugar Free, and there's Tango. And I was just like, that's not how you do it. You need to just act. You shouted up in, well, when you were there. I think a lot of great things are lost because I think you've just got to just be bolshy yeah. and just go, right, we're ordering this. Mm. But yeah, I, I remember, I think it was last summer, I put my foot down and went, it's summer, we're having Fanta Icy Lemon. And it, you know, it flew out and there was celebrations in the streets. You'll be disgraced in, our, in the office at the moment because the fridge is nearly empty. But on the side is there's three or four packs of cans that should really go in the fridge. And I walked past it maybe twice today and gone, I should really do that. And then I came home to record this. Yeah, it was it was usually myself or Fraser would usually be on it. But... I'm gonna go in early and do it tomorrow. Yeah, That's before or after do. before is is it a McDonald's day tomorrow with Aiden? No, or... not McDonald's day tomorrow with Aiden. But I will go in early and do it. Yeah, make sure you do. But talking of going in early and doing it, the current plan, which could change, is for NWO to get the Saturday night <laughs> show. So either one hour per week or two hours every other week, he's saying. The NWO TV show is a cute idea, but I don't know how they can work it. Who will they wrestle? If it's the same WCW jobbers, then it's obvious it's the same promotion. If they want to have competitive matches, it's not like they're going to wrestle each other, so they'll have to use the buff Bagwells of the world to put them over. Ted DiBiase will be the colour announcer, no decision regarding play-by-play man. So obviously, with hindsight, we know some elements of this will come into play in the next year or two. Um, Ted DiBiase will do commentary at NWO Sold Out, which is not a good show, but a show I love because it's unique. Um, And the idea of the NWO show will lead to the formation of Thunder in 1998. Yes, end of, yeah, January 98. So, yeah, primordial stages once more. Mm. The idea of a WCW show uh, is, is, I mean, the the, sorry, NWO show. Mm. The, the, it's, hilarious when in yeah. hindsight in hindsight to have let's have a whole show that's run by the heels 
Yeah. <laughs> There's, where's your comeuppance if the heels are running the show all the time? It's just, as a one-off pay-per-view, I don't mind the concept, like an invasion-type pay-per-view, but yeah. not every week. No, no, definitely not. I mean, even if they did, but they wouldn't do it because, one, it's WCW, and two, the egos involved with the NWO. Even if they did, like, a small kind of ECW's arena-sized show, and they were just like, right, there's five matches of just them just squashing unnamed jobbers, being like, look, this is where the real big boys play, whatever. Like WCW Saturday, like, like WWF Shotgun Saturday Night. Pretty much, Where they yeah. did it in, like, nightclubs and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Or they're doing burnt-out warehouses. Oh. That'd be in the middle of Bootle. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the police is turning a blind eye. So, two last little bits here. We'll go to ECW first. This one, right, there was a September 14th show at the ECW Arena. There was lots of injuries on the show. But the main bit from a historic point of view it was the debut of little Spike Dudley. Ah, Matt uh, Tyson. Yeah. Is it? Heisen, Heisen. Matt Heisen, not Matt Heisen. Tyson. In Matt my head, Heisen. I was like, that sounds right. Yeah, Matt Heisen. So, yeah, we've got Spike Dudley now. And I like Spike Dudley, so I'm glad to see that. Why did you feel, how did you feel about when WWE did the thing where little Spike Dudley was the leader? I was in two minds because I always liked Spike fighting against Bubba and Devon the best. Uh, obviously, they went round back to it, didn't they? With they just made Spike and Taz a tag team for a while because why not? Uh, yeah, I liked Spike. His involvement with the Dudley, the Dudley family in WWE, I thought was all right. Yourself? I liked, I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was a nice little, it's a nice little twist. And if you forget all the history previously, I, I liked yeah. the Dudleys being bossed around by Spike. I thought it was fun. Yeah. But right, here's, here's, oh, we're ending the news with some news from Michinoku Pro. Oh. So they've announced a show in Tokyo Sumo Hall on October the 10th, which will be the biggest show in Michinoku Pro history. And you may be thinking, why are we talking about Michinoku Pro? So the working idea is to headline doing a trios match with the best flyer in Japan of the 70s, 80s, and 90s together. So it'll be Mil Mascaras, Tiger Mask One, and the great Sasuke, provided Sasuke can return the show because he's just had an injury in the J-Cup. Their opponents haven't been named, but one of them will be the Dynamite Kid. <gasps> oh, Tom! Oh, Tom. Tom's back! So it'll be the first time Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid, who revolutionized lightweight wrestling in the early 80s, have been in the ring against each other since their final singles match in 1983. Oh, fantastic! So this will be Dynamite Kid's first match since 1994. And spoiler alert, it will be his last match oh, ever. So our Tom is fucking fuming. <laughs> He's just sat on the sofa at the moment with a tab. I'll just go, oh, I've got to go to Japan. Ugh. Where's my boots? Oh, they're in the wash. Oh. <laughs> Anyone see my passport? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that'll be it. I love that, like Tokyo Dome, the biggest match of all time. Hard cut to like Tom Billington tearing up his bedroom. Where'd I put my fucking passport? I've left it in the Rosen Crown. <laughs> I just sat on the bar, <laughs> uses a beer mat. Sorry, I need that pack. You can't have that, Tom. We're down on bar mats. Zaba. Oh, cough. Oh, <laughs> just start to. And button people. Gotta go Tokyo. <laughs> we got Tokyo for. Ooh, get Tommy's going to Tokyo. Go to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> you going for one of your matches, are you? I'm a fucking am, yeah. 
are you gonna win? And he's like, I better fucking do. And it's like the old bloke in the corner, it's all fake, that. Who said that? I did. Like someone who's twice as old as Tom and twice as grizzled, <laughs> former ballet instructor who's now in his 70s and just red, ashen faced and angry. It's all fake, that wrestling bollocks. You embarrass us in this pub, I gotta do that in Tokyo. I'll deal with you when I see you, Joe. <laughs> you'll go, yeah, you'll go and do a show in Tokyo, but you won't do Claxton Social Club, will you, Tom? <laughs> Priorities, young man. Priorities. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From there, we go to Monday Night Raw for Monday, September the 16th, two, uh, 1996, not 2000. I've been, I've been in the noughties far too long. Uh, our opening hype package is all about the Intercontinental Championship Tournament. We are down to four. It's Owen Hart, it's Mark Merrow, it's Psycho Sid, and it's Farouk. Owen Hart is the son of a champion, and it could be his destiny. Mark Merrow is a virtuoso of aerial artistry, says Jim Ross. Lovely. Mm. Kevin Kelly asks of Sid, and oh, this is fantastic. Kevin Kelly asks of Sid, what goes on in the mind of the mercurial mesomorph? Ooh. Love that. that. Very good. Mercurial meaning an unpredictable mood change, and mesomorph meaning a body type with a high muscle-to-fat ratio. Mm. So he is a mercurial mesomorph. A.K.A. a mad meathead. Mad meathead. <laughs> His opponent is Farouk, the militant warrior. Or, or Is he a militant warrior or a common thug without a conscience or a cause? So we're already going down the Farouk militant warrior. Oh, I can't wait. And he'll get a cause soon. And he'll follow it by any means mm. necessary. Ah. Plus, our Diesel and Razor Ramon coming back to the World Wrestling Federation. Gorilla Monsoon has the latest. Plus, we have a Bret Hart update from South Africa with a cheeky soundbite of Bret in his hotel room saying, my commitment to WWF has ended. Mm. In South Africa of all places. So uh, we'll dig into that in a little bit. Uh, opening uh, with the music of Jake the Snake Roberts. Kevin Kelly, JR, and Jerry Lawler are on commentary as Roberts uh, legs it towards the commentary table and Jerry Lawler pegs it like his ass is on fire. Good. Fuck off, Jerry. 
doesn't get his comeuppance, though. <laughs> no, because of no. course not. Uh, Jerry Lawler is uh, running to backstage as Jake Roberts gets back into the ring. His opponent tonight is the Sultan mm. making his debut alongside the Iron Sheik and Mr. Bob Backland. So, who is the Sultan, Jack Atkins? Do you, you know. Well, I mean, it's a man who likes him to make a difference. It's uh, it's Fatu. It is indeed Fatu. It is the return of Salofa Fatu, a.k.a. Rikishi. Vince McMahon loved working with Fatu, really wanted to make Fatu a star. However, the head shrinkers gimmick and the make a difference gimmick hadn't landed the way that he hoped. So let's go for something completely different. Now, Vince also, as well as Louis Fartu, loved the Sultan gimmick that has been pitched here as well. He genuinely believed this could be a thing. The story of uh, somebody who was caught in the middle of conflict and was tortured for information. And when he refused to give information, his tongue was cut out. So his loyalty uh, was rewarded by being made a Sultan. It was born of Vince McMahon's mind, because of course it is. And it be- and, be- and he believed in it- by giving the Sultan marquee wins over big stars, it would easily get him over with the fans. We shall see. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, not a great look, is it? I think he looks like the Shredder mixed with Oz from WCW. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? Mm. That's not a bad shout. Backland joins JR and Kevin Kelly on commentary. Jerry Lawler eventually makes his way back and starts making drunk jokes about Jake Roberts. <laughs> yeah. um, Bob Backland says the Sultan is a large man and large enough to procure the WWF championship. He's left the Iron Sheik to train Sultan and respects his ability. Uh, Jake gets early advantage over the Sultan. Sultan rolling to the outside to reset. This is a great first show for the Sultan. It's not at all. He gets a one on. He gets one on him with an arm drag once again. This is a big Raw debut combined with the endless Jake Roberts Jerry Lawler feud. Yeah, because as yeah. well as this, we are already getting back and forth between these two. So hooray! Yeah. Sultan hits multiple Irish whips into the corner, and Jake counters one of them and goes for a DDT. But Jerry Lawler throws a mini bottle of booze at Jake that distracts him, and it leads to the Sultan putting Jake in the camel clutch for the submission win. Now, the timing of this finish was all over the shop because Mm. Jake locks in the DDT and then just suddenly stops doing the DDT and walks over to the ropes to go, hey, Jerry, what are you doing? To which then a little bottle of booze flies in. and. As soon as a foreign object gets thrown in the ring, that's a DQ in my book. And who's the referee? Mm. El fucking Hebner. Hebner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've got it here in block caps. That's a DQ, Earl, you shit twat. Um, (laughs) JR asked Bob Backland if he was happy with the Sultan's debut. He just stared blankly at him. (laughs) (laughs) JR repeated the question and Bob acted like he couldn't hear him. This was really weird. It was very weird. Yeah. They sat next to each other and Bob was just staring at him. Um, yeah. All in all, I don't put words in your mouth, but this was a dreadful way to debut new talent on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've written a poor debut. Roberts is a credible scalp to get, but Sultan didn't dominate or really show you that much and was lucky that he got his win. I have noted here, do you think this was, because I said it, the character seems part 80s kind of jingoism and part Mortal Kombat. Do you think this is a, a direct answer to Blood Runs Cold? I know you were saying that it was like a Vince McMahon creation, so I doubt Vince McMahon would know what Mortal Kombat is, but... 
I hadn't considered that it was a, an answer to that at all. Yeah. I don't think it is. I don't know. No. I think that I think Vince just wouldn't get video games. No. I think this is more just I th- I think maybe maybe the costume department does. Yeah. But I don't think this is a thing from Vince at all. Uh, either way, I, this is I, I, this is not an auspicious way to debut the Sultan on Monday nights. No, it's not great, is it? Uh, Brian Pillman and Owen Hart are backstage. Brian Pillman is buzzing about his interview with Bret Hart that's happening at the pay-per-view on Sunday. Owen can't wait to reconcile with his brother either. Steve Austin walks in and says he can't wait to get his hands on Bret Hart this Sunday as well. So everyone's looking forward to seeing Bret Hart on Sunday. He's definitely at the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh let I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Because we kind of know hindsight being 2020, we know Brett's not there. It's, we seem to be in this, like Dave Meltzer's been moaning about, we're in this idea of bait and switch in wrestling at the moment and hoodwinking people and saying, oh, this guy's going to turn up for give us your money. Obviously, like famously, WCW did it with the Renegade. They were kind of pushing that was the ultimate warrior and it wasn't. So it's, it's it's carnacular. It's very carnacular. Nice word, that. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Like I, I don't think it's a real word, but I'm going for it. We like it. We'll take. We'll pretend that it is. Yeah. Uh, we have the smoking guns in ta- non-title action next. They're facing the combo of Bob Holly and Pug Portal. Hey. Da 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 da. They even come out to Pug's music. <laughs> Eat a dick, Bob. You put it over Pug. <laughs> Love Pug Portal. So savage. It's, it's like a, like an embryonic Kurt Angle. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, JR and Kevin Kelly talk all over Sonny uh, as she is giving a promo in the ring. She then reveals a large photo of herself that falls from the ceiling a- across the arena. This would be uh, a Sonny bit that we'll see replicated at the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a good bit of fun, that. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's not, it's, not, it's not like a lewd or anything like that. It's just a standard... Yeah, eight by ten of Sunny, but blown up a hundred times over. Talking of a bit of fun though, did you get who Raw was brought to us by this week? Tekken two. Fucking yeah. Are you a fan of Tekken two, young man? Oddly, not really. Tekken was like as a kid because it seems to be that I was I was a Street Fighter kid. Mm-hmm. I was a Mortal Kombat kid. And when we had the PlayStation, we had Battle Arena Toshinden. Toshinden. It was like a kind of proto dead or alive. I, I didn't pl- I didn't play much Tekken, but I love the characters of Tekken. I love the world of Tekken. Obviously, this time period as well, Tekken 2 being huge. It was only something I ever dabbled with. And I played as King because it's just it's Minoru Suzuki meets Tiger Mask in a pair of Well, that's masks. it. This is this yeah. is the uh, this was the the wrestling reference that comes mm. through on Tekken Two, which is the Tiger Mask Minoru Suzuki styled King. Yeah, and exactly. The, and the cut scenes that come from that. Yeah, Tekken Two uh, released on the PlayStation uh, in this particular in this particular week. It came out in the arcades back in nineteen ninety five. It got a port to the PlayStation at this point as well, and uh, went down very well. A very well received sequel. On the whole, game rankings and Metacritic voting it very highly. 83 and 89 out of 100 from, from Metacritic. And game rankings give it an aggregate score of 93%. Not bad, not bad. Best arcade game in the Game Pro Awards and the EGM Awards in 1996. Uh, best fighting game in the EGM and the Game Pro Awards as well. Best PlayStation game in the EGM Awards too. 
Just swept it, swept the board. Absolutely swept the boards, and it on and it sponsors Monday night, raw tonight. Uh, we have some wrestling in the middle of the ring, but forget that because Gorilla Monsoon is standing by at WWF HQ. We also get another clip of Bret Hart in South Africa saying, "Brian Pillman, you." And then being cut off for the ad break. Find oh. out later what Brian Pillman is. No, it's just we get it's just a, cheap, isn't it? It's just cheap. It is dirt cheap, dirt cheap. Um, but this is their strategy now. Is they are like Nitro do it, but Raw do it to the nth degree. Like desperately mm. trying to keep people watching. Like don't look away. Everything must push ahead to the next thing. Don't look away. Don't go away. Stay there. Oh my God! If you leave now, children will die, and you'll never know what Bret Hart thinks about Brian Pillman. Like. Mm-hmm. We get the WWF's fall season flash up because the season premiere is next week after Mind Games. And it features uh, all the times for the shows for, for Livewire, which is on Saturday mornings. I believe you'll do a nice breakdown of the first Livewire episode when we yeah. are back after the pay per view. I can't wait. Can't wait to see what it's about. But yeah, we're going to try and get some bits on that. You may also see WWF Blast Off in the schedule, which is the repackaged version of the Action Zone mm. uh, on a tighter budget. Basically, a few bits of Todd Pettingill in the studio and then and then replays of matches from Raw and Superstars. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Uh, back from comment, back from the break, and Jerry Lawler on commentary opens up about his nightmare last night. He said that Sonny was his mother and he was a bottle baby. He's a weird. Uh, yeah. Anyway, to brighten the <laughs> brighten the mood, here comes the Owen Hart and British Bulldog tag team combination, and they've got chairs with them. We're having a picnic, Owen. I like the fact that Owen's got he's got a Coke and he's got a Slammy. Jim Cornette's there. He's in a Vader tee with a towel around his neck, and David Boy Smith's in full gear. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get the memo, lads. I thought we were wrestling. We're going to Gordon Ring. I've got to wear boots and undies. Always dress for success is what they say. <laughs> I wish he'd worn like a handkerchief, like a knotted handkerchief. <laughs> just owning the British summertime look that everyone dressed, else is. Dressed like, was it, um, is it Mr. Mr. Gumby from Flying Circus? <laughs> and now a sketch about architects. Called the Architect Sketch. Architects. <laughs> Bulldogs, everybody bought a drink with them. And like Owen Hart's there with an orange juice, and Jim Cornette's there with a with a soft drink. Bulldog's there with a pet bottle of petrol. <laughs> Keep me powered up, this. It's horrible, and no. I can't see. But I've <laughs> gone blind. <laughs> what are you doing, Dave? Just drinking with petrol. It's all right. It's unleaded. <laughs> Healthy option. <laughs> Tom told me it's what Guinness is made of. <laughs> He's off to Tokyo next week, did he tell you? He's going to bring us back some sushi. <laughs> I've asked him to cook it for me, though. Don't like it raw, even though I'm on raw. Isn't that funny? <laughs> what did I, what did I, I think they call it bronzy. It's not big enough to be irony. Oh, oh. Uh, awful, awful. So as Bulldog Owen and Cornette hit, hit ringside, uh, Jim Ross on commentary promises all that we'll see Razor Ramon and Diesel in the ring next week. Mm. Good. Mm. Pug looks good here for a little bit, and then he gets double teamed by Billy and Bart. JR talks up Bret Hart's interview in South Africa, whilst Lawler asks JR if he met the South African president, Howie Mandela. 
Uh, Howie Mandel is an actor and host who will be appearing on WWE Raw in 2007. Oh, wow, well, so, of course. Yeah. Put, put a pin in that. <laughs> I was expecting a, a Winnie Mandela joke from uh, King here, but no, he, he went he went off piste. He went Howie Mandela instead. Yeah. Pug avoids a splash and a spark plug sparks up once we get the hot tag. Bob landing drop kicks and a Frankensteiner. Sonny stops Bob coming off the top by shaking the ropes. And this leads to the sidewinder for the one, the two, and the three. Thanks for coming. No, no, or wait, does it? No, it certainly doesn't, because Owen Hart and the Bulldog distract the smoking guns before they can do the pin by throwing soft drinks at them. Bulldog loves the petrol. (laughs) And finish this, but you can have the rest of it. This leads to Holly getting a victory roll. One, two, three. Bob and Pug win on Raw. Come on. I mean, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> Obviously, if this was modern WWE, this would be happening every other week with the champs losing and all oh, this. Yeah, but... that's, that's progress. That's storyline progression. But for 1996, this was quite refreshing. Almost as refreshing as Davy's delicious petrol drink. When I um, need refreshing, I drink this lovely bottle of petrol. Get to Texaco now. Tell them Davis sent you. Texaco to Texaco. Texaco. Te- it's it's a mixture of Texas and Tokyo. They sell <laughs> barbecued uh, undies. I don't so know. She- <laughs> Tried to put my pants in that in that fancy washing machine they've got on the streets in Tokyo. I said, "What do you mean?" Well, I went up and I was trying to put it in, but I couldn't get my hand in properly. Washing machine? Yeah, you go. They've got all the bundies in a row because they've just been washed. I'm just trying to put mine in there. Put my hand up the can't reach around it. Like you have to put you have to put the money in first. I, I thought you did. I put money in first. And they gave me someone else's. They're too small. Should I put them on? I look yeah. lovely, but I mean they feel nice, but they're just small. No room for me, John Thomas. <laughs> or my cock. <laughs> but, uh... What are you giving me these sticks to eat the dinner for? How do I do them? We, it, there's no drum kit anywhere near here. <laughs> four, four time, and yeah, I can do that for you. Don't get it. Everywhere I go, I try and get some food. They must think I must think I'm in the Beatles. Everywhere I go to get some food, they can give me drumsticks. I said, no, wrestling ring, not wrestling ringo. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so but drink on. cost me a million yen. <laughs> That's loads. Million yen. All their cartoons are weird. They're all very it's, rude. I ended up drinking sake, and then I woke up two days later and uh, I pissed the bed again. <laughs> I had to go to the hospital because uh, they brought me out my dinner, and I thought, oh, it's weird. They've just given me one big, mush- one big mushy pee. <laughs> Turned out to be Wasabi, whatever that is. Uh. <laughs> so I don't bring you to Tokyo, Davey. <laughs> Fucking embarrass me once again. <laughs> I'm, so- I'm sorry, Tom. I thought it was a big mushy pee. Have some of my drumsticks as apology. Ha <laughs> uh- <laughs> Davy is the gift that keeps giving. I'm going to be so gutted when he leaves. I need to do like a, a an Atletico Mint style best of Davy Boy Smith episode, which is all the Davy Boy Smith tangents that we went on. For those of you out there who think that this podcast goes too long, 
even though Raw is going to go for two hours, if and when Davy Boy Smith leaves, the podcast will still end up being shorter than it is now. It will because we'll have <laughs> we'll have no one to bounce off when Davy goes. But oh look. Oh, it's the Odysseys. Yeah. Great, man. But don't worry, you can then move over to the Classic Nitro review where Davey Boy Smith will be there. And like any good comedian, I'll be recycling all the jokes we use here. <laughs> <laughs> new audience, innit? Yeah. New year, new audience. Uh, to Gorilla Monsoon we go. Will Diesel and Razor be on Raw next week? JR, you have piqued my curiosity. I can tell you officially that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall will not be appearing as they have signed to another organization. I'd like to apologize to all the fans who feel they've been hoodwinked by Jim Ross's statement. Gorilla Monsoon says JR will continue, will be continually monitored during this show, uh, just in case he says anything else off color. JR, livid about this, storms off commentary. First mm. time we've had Kevin Nash and Scott Hall mentioned on WWF telly. Yeah, actually by the their names and the we were saying before about WWE being a bit tacky with this angle in the opening montage when it said uh, our Diesel and Razor Ramon return and they did actually use footage of Kevin Nash's Diesel and Scott Hall's Razor Ramon so yeah one of them mm. in the ring Jim Cornette and Vader are about to do a public workout ahead of Jim Cornette's match with Jose Lothario at In Your House Man Games mm. He's in there with enhancement talent, Tony Williams, a USWA standout. I believe USWA, uh, uh, I think they're closing their doors and they're just trying a few people out and Tony Williams just happens to be in and around. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind his look. He looks all right. He looks all right, but I think I saw him and thought he's just too short for Vince, isn't he? Mm. But I, I looked him up and I thought, like, I surprised he never got a look in anywhere else. He'll just work around Memphis and then retire in 99. Sorry. Doesn't really do much here, but I think so. His most high-profile match is a public workout against Jim Cornette. And, uh, so he starts off. Cornette does with an arm ringer, but Williams reverses it and starts getting the upper hand. To which Vader just comes up, waffles it, fucking clatters <laughs> the boy. Cornette then ties him up in the ropes, a la Andre the Giant, and just paintbrushes him, screaming Jose Lothario's name in his face as he does so. Mm. This was a fun little segment. Yeah, it's a bit of fun, but I've put here, it's it's fun, but it's building to a match no one on earth is buying the pay-per-view for. No. No. But, yeah, fine. It was what it was. Serviceable. Yeah. After the break, Jim Ross returns from having a little strop. I think he probably had a wank while he was back there too, just to calm down. He is very upset by Gorilla Monsoon's comments, claiming that he's never hoodwinked anyone. Mm. We'll see. Owen Hart heads to the ring, and he is joining commentary. Uh, no, it is... Sorry, Steve Austin's joining commentary, mm. not Owen Hart. He's joining commentary. It's the first Intercontinental Championship semi-final. And joining all them on commentary also... Hang on, I fucked this up completely. I do apologise. Uh, I'll start this bit again. Ignore everything I said before. <laughs> Owen Hart heads to the ring. I should have just read me notes and stop trying to riff. Owen Hart heads to the ring. And joining commentary, this should be good, is the first Intercontinental Champion ever, Pat Patterson. Turns out Pat is going to be refereeing the tournament finals at Mind Games. Spoiler, it won't be at Mind Games. It'll be the night after Mind Games. Mm. They shuffle it round. So he's been fully forgiven for the Ring Boy scandal then? Oh, yeah. See, it's almost as if people 
in certain positions within the WWF are easily forgiven for awful things. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Owen Hart in the ring is facing the wild man Mark Marrow in the semifinals. Who has Sable in his corner. Uh, he and Owen have a high-paced technical outing as JR belly aches about his integrity being brought into question. This leads to Gorilla Monsoon popping up again, picture and picture, like it's pop-up video on VH1. He says, <laughs> Jim, we're not talking friendship. We're talking business. And Jim, you need to scrutinize your sources. Nothing has come across my desk to say that Kevin Nash or Scott Hall are coming back to the World Wrestling Federation. Gorilla says, we'll find out more next week. And then we cut back to the action. Pat Patterson, weirdly, is on JR's side here. Mm. And he says he's refereeing the IC title finals. He's never had a meeting with Gorilla Monsoon about it. <laughs> why is why is Pat suddenly on Jim's side? I don't know. And, and JR seems like really grateful for it. He's like, yeah, nice one, Pat. Yeah. Let's have a friend in it. Yeah. Jerry Lawler brings us screaming back to reality by saying, I'm, I, I see Sable is still styling her hair with a weed whacker. Oh, okay. Cheers, Jerry. Back from break, Merrill lands the bad day on Owen Hart and a lovely splash for a near fall. Both recover from a double headbutt and Owen clatters Mero with his arm cast. Mm. He only gets a two count, though. Now, the shot was so subtle that the crowd didn't really react. No, no. And this, the cast has been going on for a, a little bit too long now as well, I think. JR does reference the fact that like he should have been cleared by now with that yeah. cast on his arm. Like it, 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 they've clearly just used the same cast as well because it looks like it's made of egg carton now because it's just so sweaty and limp, <laughs> a bit like me. Um, <laughs> a hard cast. Um, Owen shouts at the ref for only getting the two, and this leads to Mero grabbing the cast now loose from Owen Hart's arm and clattering him with it for a three count. Mm. But these cast shots are so subtle that the crowd don't pop at all. Either that or they just don't care. Yeah. It's it was a good match. And like I say, week in, week out, Mark Marrow's very underrated, but this was a sloppy ending. The referee was all over the place as well, so it was a bad performance by the ref. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'd rather have had the guns costing going here. Just that to... would have been better. Yeah. Bit even back though, for the guns exactly yeah and considering that you know owen wasn't losing clean anyway what does it matter if mero is using a foreign object or not i do like when faces do bend the rules though because if there's an opening don't be a complete gormless bastard if someone's trying to you know tip the scales in their favor you know give them a little rollicking go for it we get shots of austin and hunter hearst helmsley in south africa on the south mm. african tour uh, we get a shot of a warthog to which Jerry Lawler says, Hey, JR, that's your wife. <laughs> Afterwards, Bret Hart is seen in his hotel room. Now we finally get the clip of him addressing his situation in the WWF, to which he says, Brian Pillman, you are a liar. Dun, dun, dun. He never committed to Brian Pillman that he'd be in Philadelphia. And Owen, you're as bad a liar as Brian Pillman. Don't talk to me. Bret says that his fans... He's committed to Hollywood and his family, and he hasn't decided what he's going to do yet. So it's mm. another month that goes by with Bret Hart in a foreign country going, nah, nah. Mm. Germany is, last month. Germany now. This month. I don't think he just moves around different places. It'll be Boodle next month. <laughs> to all my fans in Boodle. 
he's like he's like Carmen San Diego. Where in the world is Brett the Hitman Hart? <laughs> Where is Brett the Hitman Hart? Brett the Hitman Hart. Where on earth can he be? That's a, a big lovely... floppy hat stealing diamonds. It's like oh, <laughs> Hitman, you knobhead. Brian Pillman chasing him with a microphone, and he just disappears on a helicopter. <laughs> You'll never get me. Fuck <laughs> you, Goldberg. <laughs> Shitting on Goldberg's house as he goes past. Brian Pillman's going to explain himself on Livewire. Don't worry, he will do. JR yeah. hopes that Brett will return soon as well. Mm-hmm. We come to Sid versus Farouk, our second intercontinental title semi final tournament match. It's not going to be pretty, says JR. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> Sid walks to the ring and we are encouraged to text or fax in Livewire. There's even an email, wwflivewire at aol.com. I emailed the email. I knew, I knew you were going to say this. I was like, as soon as you said that, I was like, Tom's emailed them. I got a mailer demon telling me it doesn't exist anymore. No. That means it's available. Should we just buy it? Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Adam. <laughs> No, we just spent a lot of money on money in the bank, but can we, can we buy WF Livewire at AOL.com? I thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Powerbomb chance to start the match. Shoulder bulges as well in ring, uh, with Farouk getting a cheap knee shot and a power slam to take control. However, Sid no sells it all and starts wailing away with punches and a big old boot. Until Farouk kicks back with a belly-to-back suplex and a big old leg drop. I mean, Sid gets handed handed to him by Farouk, doesn't he? Really? Yeah, because it's it's one that we we, we always kind of forget that Ron Simmons is a massive fella because they started the match of this. They they're pretty much nose to nose. Obviously, there's a couple of inches on Sid's side, but you're just like, Jesus, Farouk's a big lad. We get a picture-in-picture of Ahmed Johnson with a message for Farouk and too thin to win, Sonny. Obviously, he's too thin now, for fuck's sake. (laughs) He said, if you think what you did was great, all you did was light a fire and Ahmed is going to burn your ass up. I like that we're keeping Ahmed strong while he's away. And he was in a nice minty green robe this week as well. Yeah, I I like his selection of robes. Yeah. He's a comfortable man. What colours are the world today? And it's like minty green, red, lilac, <laughs> blue. All the same sort of fabric. It just changes the material. Yeah. I hope that when he returns, he runs out wearing the lilac green dressing gown. Yeah, just looking like, he, you know, he was about to get in the bath and then he had the postman. <laughs> clear, like, all oh. clear. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not picking it up from the depot. Get back here. <laughs> Go! <laughs> Go down. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't had a big ooh off you in a while. Let's do a big ooh. Ooh. There it is. Yeah, there we go. Farouk gets a lot of offense on Sid, but however, Sid turns the tide when he catches a top rope shoulder with a gorgeous power slam. Yeah. Farouk goes for his deadly kidney shots, his main power, all the way through the break. Sid manages to avoid a dominator and lands a choke slam, but he's just too cream crackered to get the three count. Sonny distracts the referee by being a woman as Farouk rolls outside the ring to grab a steel chair to deck his opponent with. Ref turns around just in time uh, to see Farouk get the cover and Sid get a shoulder up. Despite the chair haranguing, he has just received. 
Sid is fucking livid. He grabs the steel chair that Farouk just used on him and pummels the shit out of Farouk, leading to a disqualification in the semi-final. Farouk, via DQ, is off to the finals of the tournament. See, I can I can see with hindsight why they didn't do a DQ for Owen and Mero now if they were going down this route, but this was a great match, which was a huge surprise going in. Like, um... Very even. Both men look good. The ending with Sid going mad with a chair fits his character and the crowd loved it. They were just like, he's amazing. Look at this big lunatic just going berserk at Farouk. I was gobsmacked with the amount of chemistry that these two had. Mm. WCW boys though, aren't they? That's true, actually. Yeah, they they got that rough and tumble style that they've... Let's just do that for a laugh before Vince notices, before we get in trouble with Big Viddy. Um... Well done to you then, Farouk. You're in the finals against Mark Marrow. We'll see that at the pay-per-view, except that we won't because it's being bumped the night after on Monday Night Raw for reasons that we'll explain in a couple of weeks. Undertaker now addresses Goldust ahead of the final curtain match at Mand Games. Games. Undertaker won't forget the name because his is the first of many that must be destroyed on the way to mankind and Paul Bearer. He promises via his eerie graveyard that this will be the premiere of the new Undertaker. He's wearing different colored gloves. (laughs) Bit of leather in a minute. It's not the full debut of the new Undertaker because I seem to think that was Survivor Series 1996 when he flew in like a bat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a bat taker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, we're, we're going into an era of the Undertaker that I really actually know. We've got a little bit more preamble before we go into like my favorite Undertaker period, but yeah, it's... is Bat Undertaker not your favorite? surprisingly no what no no no. yourself a fan i know i'm sorry i'm so sorry (laughs) we get a rundown of the mind games card for this coming sunday undertaker and goldust in the final curtain match jerry lawler will face mark henry his first ever wrestling match Mm. Uh, Owen Hart and British Bulldog will challenge the smoking guns for the tag team titles. We've got the first ever encounter between Jim Cornette and Jose Lothario. First ever. First ever. And, you know, hopefully not the last. We'll say first ever on telly. Obviously, we did it in Canada to the week. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels defends the WWF title against Mankind in a match that you don't even know it yet, but it's going to change the game completely. Mankind and Paul Bearer are in the boiler room to end tonight's episode of Raw, where they are addressing Shawn Michaels. Uh, Paul Bearer is singing Shawn's theme in (laughs) the creepiest of ways. Yeah. (laughs) Paul's got a sweat on, but he says Shawn's going to feel the heat on Sunday. Mankind asks if the girls will think he's a sexy boy when he wins the title. He asks, will the girls want to whisper in his chewed up ear or will they run in fear? He says, with a belt around his waist, every day will be a nice day. Thoughts it's, on the closing segment? It was creepy, like you were saying, the way that Paul was singing Sexy Boy, very creepy. Um, I like the fact they've just gone all in on mankind. They're just like, yeah, he's he's the big he's the big spooky lad now, but in a different way to how Undertaker was when he was a heel. Great, great stuff. No complaints. Can't wait for the pay-per-view. 
<laughs> uh, how do you think about this Raw this week? It it, it it rumbled along at a pace. Yeah, it was it was better than the previous episode that we spoke about. Decent go home show for the pay per view, despite there being no sign of Shawn Michaels. Um, surprisingly, like Farouk versus Sid was the highlight for me. Uh, I was not expecting that to be my match of the night, but here we are. I was expecting it to be Jake Roberts versus the Sultan. Um, <laughs> but like you said, yeah, just kind of pootled along. What, what do you think? I enjoyed Sid and Farouk just as you did. I thought some of the promo stuff from Mankind and Paul Bearer going into Mind Games was always great. It was just a nice way to build a, a very cheeky B show. Yeah. One, one that is a very much a one match card. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. But what a one match it is. Can't wait. And uh, we will do a retro reaction to In Your House Mind Games next time we are together on the Cultolic Classic Raw Review. What are you working on, Jackie Orlando? Um, Just some... Another secret project. A secret project, yeah. Wow. Uh, Aiden Gibbons, the bastard, has taken some time off, so I'll be, I'll be <laughs> heading up the website for a couple of weeks. Um, So... If there's too many stories about karate, that's why. Uh, <laughs> he bloody loves uh, karate, this lad. It's just that, yeah, it's the same every summer because because <clears throat> the website is like this. I'd argue the smallest arm of the cultaholic pie, where we're consistent, but we're small. But it's Aiden full time, me a couple of days a week, and then other bits and bobs. But it means that when it comes to holidays, it's just we've got to do so much chest to make everything work so just one of them for a couple of months busy one but you'll make it happen because you're the dream team yeah of course of course okay. Hard, hardest working men in show business hardest you? working men in showbiz. Um, what about yourself i know well, you've got some nice things coming well i'm chatting to the fastest man in wrestling on wednesday speedball mike bailey is on desert island graphs excited to chat to speedball yeah he's um, had a hell of a i was gonna say 12 months but the last year and a bit it's he's in the form of his lifetime. We touch on uh, the, the the nightmarish issues with getting into America and how he managed to pivot it and have a phenomenal five years whilst yeah. waiting for that to clear. We talk all about that. <clears throat> of course, this Saturday, he's back in his, he's back in a very much a comfort zone in an ultimate X match at Slammiversary. Mm. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, that'll be on the Coltolic podcast feed on Wednesday. You should also have a brand new Coltolic Classic Nitro review and a classic SmackDown review. And Jesus H. Christ, if you live in the Northeast or just the North of England, come along Saturday to the Walker Dome for North oh. Wrestling Thunderstruck. Mercedes Martinez, Joey Janela, Scotty Duhotti, and fucking Gangrel are going to be at the Walker Dome next Saturday. The biggest North Wrestling show ever. Uh, I'd love for you to come down and enjoy it with us. Uh, just shout Duck King at the crowd, from the crowd. That way I know you're there. <laughs> you just reminded me a couple of little plugs I've got to do for the website. You oh, just please, do. Me then. please do. Please um, do. Because of these two weeks when Aiden Givens is off, it falls on two of my pay-per-view uh, commitments. So... Uh, Slammiversary, I'll have all the all the results and all the breaking news and action from that, and Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor. Oh, it's one one weekend, one the next weekend, and then Aiden comes back, and I'm just like, oh, I'm tired now. Can you bring me some waffles, please? Can I have so, a little sleep? Stay, stay tuned to all the cultaholic pies and some North wrestling, and just, just, just enjoy everything. It'll be en lovely. Enjoy yourself. It's later yeah. than you think. Yeah. And until we're next back together, he is at Brat Atkins on Blue Sky. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. 
You might be. I'm at Tom Campbell. Should we plug your Instagram instead? Yeah, it's it's the exact same. Uh, he's at Brat Atkins on Instagram. Yeah. I'm just about at Tom Campbell on MySpace. No, uh, on, <laughs> on Twitter. Together at Goldolic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Thank you in the DMs to uh, MCFC Wrestling, who simply inboxed me. Duck King, British Bulldog, before we started recording today. <laughs> Love you, bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.